I'm Agent Bender. You don't know me, but I know you. I work for the largest organization in the world. You've never seen us, or probably ever heard of us. But we have a presence in every household, including yours. Don't believe me? Then we're doing our job. the new guy we sent him the archives to do some research excellent you guys are doing a real good job with this one i know he's not the sharpest tool in the shed but your work isn't going unnoticed and i mean the highest levels the boss well, that is good news isn't it at this point yes 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 sir uh no sir i can assure you we had nothing to do with dancing with the stars no, sir. Uh, Jerry Springer is not one of ours. Yes, sir. I could see how you think that he would be. Thank you, sir. Find anything interesting? Some pretty intense stuff in there. Anything catch your eye? Well, I had a thought. Someone's been to see the wizard. Who? Forget it. What'd you find? Look at this. Where did you get this stuff? found info on pain and suffering. I thought it looked like fun. You need to slow down. That is way past your pay grade. I got your pay grade right here. Oh, people, people. What Agent Snow is trying to say is that you're not quite ready for that twist just yet. So you're keeping the fun stuff for yourselves. <laughs> so what is it? Bamboo shoots, whips and chains, Barry Manilow records? No, it's not that kind of suffering. That's why you're not ready for this. This has to be handled carefully. It has the ability to create reactions of opposite extremes. Sort of like a diabolical thermos. <laughs> you know, keeps hot things hot and cold things cold. <laughs> I need just a minute. What? <sighs> okay. Where were we? How'd you do that? What? What? That thing. That thing is part of who we are. We can be where we need to be, when we need to be there. You do know you can do it too, right? Me? Yeah. Just think about being there. Get him back here. Okay, need to walk it off. The extremes to which I referred are the ability to either drive someone away from the competition or to him. Oh, well, I'd hate to think of leaving without having caused some suffering. I wouldn't worry about that. The good news is a lot of that stuff has been taken care of for us. You see, when the boss pulled his first twist... Oh, you mean that rebellion thing with the apple? That's right. That set off a chain reaction of suffering on Earth to this day. We control this world. And with disease and hate, we have just about all the suffering we need. Sounds like a slam dunk. Why the tortoise treatment? We have to play it correctly. They have to view their suffering in the context of this life or we can lose them. How are you going to lose them? They're right there. They're spirits, Einstein. We can lose spiritual control if we press too hard. That's why it's important for them to think about the here and now. Call up case 4350. This is a good one. All right, time for the good stuff. That's one you're working on. Well, yeah, this is some of my best work. Are we going to hit him with something? 
Electrocutor? Uh, I get it. Car wreck, huh? Don't you just shut up. Her name is Helen. Are we gonna zap? We already had. She looks fine to me. It's her eight-year-old son. He's dying. Probably has about two months left. Oh, I get it. She's gonna get sick, too. No, death would be a relief to her. We're working through her son to get to her. If we pick the right target, we can multiply the damages. Here, look at this. The dad, the grandparents, the siblings, the friends, all of these people are questioning because of this one kid. Questioning what? Not what, who, the competition. When it comes to pain and suffering, we want them to blame the only one who can help them make sense of it all. That's the twist. No, it can't be. We were so careful. What's going on? Uh, she's in direct contact with the competition. The longer it goes, the stronger she gets. Will you do something? Got it. There goes another one. Excuse me, lady. Can I wash your windshield? Please come. leave me alone. Oh, come on, lady. Just a quick wash right here. Just a quick wash right here. Just a quick right here. Stop. Come on. Quick wash. Back up from the car, sir. Back up from the car. Nice work. It was too close. Any other damage? Not that I can see. We'll keep an eye on it. So you're telling me that a little, uh, what do you call it again? Prayer. Yeah, yeah, a little prayer, and it gets better, and everyone lives happily ever after? No. He'd probably die anyway. I mean, they're all going to die eventually. That is why the twist is so important. The competition gets blamed for something that was going to happen anyway. But only if we can keep them focused on their present suffering instead of letting him make sense of it all. Now, go back to frame 1470 and freeze it. Now take a good look at that bender. It's the most destructive force on the planet. She looks so peaceful. Talk about a twist. So my question today is how many of you have had something bad happen to you or someone you love in the last year? Raise your hands. Keep them up. How many in the last three to five years? All right. So here's the deal. Pain happens to all of us. Touches us all. It doesn't care about your nationality. It doesn't care about your social status, your education status. Doesn't care what church you go to. Pain respects no one. That's the first thing on your listening guide. We've got a couple of truths about pain. Here's the second truth, and this is one of the ironies of pain. The second truth is pain is the shortest route to God. Pain and suffering will bring us closer to God than anything else. Prosperity doesn't draw you close to God. A prolonged winning streak doesn't draw you close to God. But when you start suffering and it's things you can't explain, you're closer to God than, than you realize. You, you begin to question the issues in life. C.S. Lewis wrote this. God whispers in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf, a deaf world. You see, when things are going well, what we tend to do is we turn our backs from God. We drift away from God. We know we should spend more time with him, but our bank account is getting bigger and our kids are in all of these activities and we just don't have time for spiritual things. But the moment something bad happens, what do we do? We get on Facebook prayers, please. We need prayers. We begin texting our friends, please pray. I'm in a desperate situation. We need you to pray. We look up to God and we ask for his mercy and grace. And I'm not trying to come down hard on anybody who asks for prayer. I'm just saying that when we go through difficult times, we are so much closer to God than we realize. 
And, and see, when we go through pain and suffering, if we can figure out why, if somebody will tell us why, we can endure all kinds of pain. Um, it doesn't make the pain go away, but at least it helps us get through it. We're trying to connect dots in our little world. How many of you like those little dot-to-dots, connect-the-dot things, right? When you were a kid, there's now adult versions of that where you try to connect dots. So here's what we do. When we go through pain, we say, well, if this A dot connects to this B dot and something good is over here at the C dot, then I can make it through that. Um, we can endure the loss. And so what we do is is we begin to question and we look in our lives and we say, why God? Why her? She was so young. I just read about Christina Grimmy yesterday, 22 years old, shot down... Um, after a concert, it was, it was just a senseless killing. Why God, when it happens to you, why, why is this happening to me? God, did I do something? What's going on? And some people say, is it karma? Let me just stop and say, it's not karma. The universe is not out to get you. Satan is, but not the universe. Karma is just another twist to take your mind off of the reality that there is a spiritual world trying to impact your visible world. See, if there's a reason that that we're going through pain, we can endure. I'll hang on. But if it's random, then my faith is out the window. God may be shouting at me through pain, but I'm going to shout right back to him if I don't understand my pain. And it just may cause me to turn my back on my faith and walk away from God. Now, this idea, this this premise that if we understand pain and suffering, we can endure it, it's everywhere. Um, I hadn't been to the gym in a couple of weeks because I've been so busy and so tired when I got home that I haven't gone to work out. But I'm going tomorrow, going to go to body pump tomorrow night. And we do 8 million squats in body pump. So on Wednesday, Tuesday it's going to be bad, but on Wednesday when I come up here for band rehearsal, I'm going to be whining as I walk up the steps because it is that bad. Literally, it'll be that bad. And and somebody say, well, why, why would you do that? Well, because in five weeks I go to Haiti. And in five weeks when we're in Haiti, we walk up mountains. Not just little foothills. We walk up mountains and and we're going to be playing with kids and we're going to be running around. We're going to be building a house for a pastor. And then on the fun day, we we actually are going to this waterfall. Show that one where Hannah and I are jumping off of that one rock. So when when Hannah and I go back there in in November, this is where we're going for our fun day on Thursday of our Haiti trip. And it's a long way from the parking lot to there. We were in such a hurry that the day that we went to visit that we we were almost running down the path to get there. And it is a long way. Did I say that? It's a long way from the parking lot to there. So we get there, we're breathing hard and you have to go down this little thing and then you have to swim to this big rock that Hannah and I are jumping off right there. Well, I'm breathing kind of hard. Well, when you jump off that, you can see the, the, the waterfall back there in the left corner. Well, you have to swim over to the waterfall. So I swim over to the waterfall because I don't want to drown in Haiti. Um, so I swim to the waterfall and I'm breathing hard. Well, then the guide is there and he goes, Hey man, you want to jump off the waterfall? And I'm like, well, yeah. And so you climb about 30 feet up in the air and we get 30 feet up in the air. <laughs> and I said, dude, I, I can't jump yet. And he goes, oh, it's okay. It's okay to be scared. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not scared. I'm exhausted. And and he goes, oh, and he laughs, you know, and he kind of holds on to me while, while I'm resting. And then I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. And I jump. So, so here's the point. I don't want to go to Haiti and have all my little jelly jiggles jiggle all over the place. Haiti will kick my hiney if I don't get in shape. So I'm willing to endure Six weeks, five weeks of training because I know what's on the other side is worth it. Does this make sense? Okay. Now, I have a question for you. How many of you have multiple body piercings or body art, not necessarily counting your ears unless you have several in years? How many of you have multiple tattoos or multiple body piercings? Now, 
I don't, and I'm not against that stuff. That's fine for you. I'm not going to do it. Uh, John always wants me to get a tattoo. I'm not, I, I just, it's not me. It's not who I am. You want to do it? That's fine. But here's what I do. I, if I see a unique body piercing or I see a unique body art, this is just who I am. If I know you, I'm going to ask. If I don't know you, I'm going to walk up and I'll go, did that hurt? And I'm telling you, I am telling you to th- as of this time, never once has somebody gone, yep, they always go, no, it doesn't hurt. And in my mind, I'm going, liar, because it sure seems to me if somebody takes a piece of steel and sticks it through your nipple or your eyebrow or your nose or your belly button, or if they take this, this metal and they brand you like they brand animals, you know why they have to confine animals when they brand them? Because it hurts and they'll run away. Anyway, I don't believe you. You can get all the body piercing. You can get, I do not believe you. It doesn't hurt, liar. See, see, here's what, here's what we believe that there's something good on the other side of the pain. Otherwise, how can you explain that? And I'm not, I'm not at all making fun of him. I'm just saying homeboy said, there's gotta be something good on the other side of that. Right? I mean this. I'm not making fun of him. I'm saying he believed that all of that pain was worth something. Are you with me? This is the premise that we're talking about today. We will choose to have pain if we think the payoff is good enough. Now, um, that makes sense to us, right? That makes sense to everybody? Let me tell you something else that makes sense. When random pain invades my life, I try to make sense of it. You do too. Why? Why is this happening? This, this is just who we are. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. When, when, um, Jesus, we know that Jesus was God with skin on. We've been talking about the invisible, um, in, invades the visible. We talked about germs a few weeks ago. Last week we talked about authority. Well, when Jesus became a, a, a person on this planet, he put on skin and became visible. He's God's son. We believe he's God's son. Jesus knew when he was in heaven, he was going to die on the cross. Jesus knew from the time he was old enough to understand when he was a human being, he knew he was going to the cross. He predicted his death on the cross over and over and over again. Yet when he's hanging on the cross with nails through his wrists, with nails through his feet, he's been beaten. People are mocking him. When he's hanging on the cross, Jesus Christ, the son of God screams out, my God, my God, why have you you abandoned me. Now, if you know anything about the story, you know that God didn't abandon him, right? He, he didn't abandon him, didn't really. But it sure felt like it in the midst of his pain. So much so that the Son of God says, I need context, God, because all I can see is my pain. Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends. Jesus would often be at his house and, and Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. When Jesus is, is just a little ways, not even 30, maybe, maybe half a day's walk away from Bethany where Lazarus lived, Jesus hears with all his disciples that Lazarus is sick and is probably going to die. You know what Jesus did? Jesus said, let's hang out here. He hangs out several days until Lazarus is dead. And then he shows up at Bethany. So Mary comes running out. Here's that Jesus is coming, falls at his feet and said, you could have done something. Why didn't you? Right after that, Martha, the other sister, comes up and says, Jesus, you could have done something, but you didn't. Why? Now, here's where you need to pay attention today. Because when random pain hits your life, when you cry out to God and then you look at your circumstances, here's the truth. Take this truth to your grave. You will never find the source of your pain... 
the answer to your pain in your circumstances. You with me? You look at God, you look at your circumstances, you'll never find the why in your circumstances. That's a lie from the devil. He wants you to believe that the answer to your pain is in your little bitty life because then you'll get frustrated and you'll turn your back on God and you'll curse God because how dare you not answer my questions about my little bitty life. The Bible gives us three huge dots. See, we're we're taking these little bitty dots and we're trying to connect them. The Bible gives us three massive dots and it connects those dots for us and it will give context to every bit of suffering that you will ever face. It won't make the pain go away, but it will give you a reason so that you can endure the pain. 2,000 years ago, God connected the dots for us so that we could understand, we could get a grip on the why of pain. Now, before I explain this, let me give you two things. First of all, you remember when you were a kid, you were playing outside and you fell and you scraped your knee or you hit your head or whatever. You would come running to mom or dad and you'd crawl up in their lap and they would hug you and hold you and they'd kiss the boo-boo. You remember that? Did it make the physical pain go away? Y'all are still answering the wrong thing. No, it didn't. But somehow, even as a kid, we understood that it was better to hurt with someone than to hurt alone. These three big dots I'm going to tell you about today are like that. They don't make the pain go away, but it gives you a way that you can understand the context so that you can endure it. The second thing is the message today is solely for Christians. If you're a non-Christian and you have pain, I've got nothing for you. I don't know how you face life if you're not a Christian. Because without Christ, without Christ, pain doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Without Christ, life doesn't make sense. But with Christ, the Bible says, even our worst suffering, God can turn into something that's incredible for his glory. Now, let me, uh, Joe, if you'll pick up that end right there. JD, pick up that end right there. Go ahead and turn those lights up if you would. All right, go ahead and pick it up, pull it tight, go as far back as you can. All right, here's, here's what we do. Now, this is, this is what I need you to understand. The three big dots, I'm going to give them to you. You'll have a chance to write them down in just a second, but you're going to, you're going to do this first. All right, on this end where Joe is, this is the beginning. Say, the beginning. All right, this, we're talking about time. God is outside of time, but God created something, time for us. It has a beginning. Say, the beginning. All right, this, all of this, all the way to JD, this is, we're going to call it the present, but we're going to call it the meantime. In the beginning, in the meantime. Say meantime. In the meantime. All right. Now where JD is, that's the end. Say the end. All right. Over here is what? This big section in the middle is what? What is this over here? All right. Here's the deal. Now, let's say that 2016 is right here. Can y'all see where I put dots in the early service? If you're close enough, you can't. You can't either. (laughs) All right, let's say that 2016, my life is this dot right here. It's, It's not a very big dot in the span of the beginning, meantime, and the end, right? If you try to find the truth of your pain in your dot, you will be frustrated because God is bigger than your dot. God is bigger than your life. Now, here's the cool thing. When, when, my, when, when I follow Christ and I get involved in the body of Christ, a church, my dot actually overlaps with other people's dots. So a couple years ago, Timmy's in my small group. Timmy finds out he has cancer. And so I start praying like crazy for Timmy, my brother. 
And I would go out and we had a prayer meeting at BB Quick one time. A whole bunch of guys from different churches came and we had a prayer meeting. It was a great time. My dot overlaps just a little bit with Timmy's dot. Because we're supposed to... In the meantime, the tape broke. I broke it never. Um, my dot overlaps with his. And I pray for him and, and I, I suffer with him. And then when I go through difficult things, Timmy prays and suffers with me. It's part of what God does. He uses our pain and suffering in other people's lives. And then I hear about Casey. Casey comes and he's in my small group. My dot begins to overlap with his. And then he puts all of these dots. Okay, you can drop that. Put all of these dots together and God creates this mosaic that you and I can't even see what it looks like in this lifetime. We have to be in God's kingdom to have the right perspective. Does this make sense? Thank you. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about this in these, these big dots. Somebody shut that back door. Okay, so we're going to look at the book of Romans. Now, last week we talked about um, Romans. We were talking about authority. Paul, this time in Romans chapter 8, he's going to talk about um, pain and suffering. Now, the first big dot is what? In the beginning. All right. Now, you have to understand, Paul wrote this to these Roman people, and Paul is somebody who understands pain and suffering. Paul has been beaten with rods, with sticks, several times, 39 lashes, because they didn't want to give 40, because that would be too many. He's been beaten with whips. He's been shipwrecked two different times. One time he spent a night and the day in the deep. Every time I go on a cruise, I think about Paul. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hang out there. Paul lost everything, yet he still chose to follow Jesus Christ. He said our pain and suffering can be redeemed if we'll follow Jesus Christ. Well, he writes these words about pain and suffering to the Romans in in Romans 8, 18. He says, I consider that what we suffer at this present time, the meantime, cannot be compared at all with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Right now, in the meantime, Paul pulls us out of our circumstances and he says there's something at the end that is so great that when you see it, you're going to look at your suffering and you're going to go, man, that's nothing compared to what Jesus Christ is showing us. And here's this principle that's wired in us. If we can understand the context, if we can understand there's a plan, that God has a plan, we can endure anything. And see what Paul does is he says, step out of, step out of the meantime, step out of the present time because life is bigger than now. Stop thinking you're the center of the universe. You're not. Look at verse 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The future is so big, so awesome that all of creation can hardly contain itself waiting for God to make things right. Creation is groaning. We're going to see in just a second. It's waiting so that God can do this. But then all of a sudden he stops with the end talk and then he takes us back to the beginning and shows us these big three dots. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. When God finished his creation, it was a good creation, but something happened, happened in the beginning that changed everything. You know what it was? Sin entered the world. When it did, suffering, death, pain, misery all entered the world with it. Satan said, there won't be any consequences. Oh my, we're still paying consequences. And you see, creation didn't choose this path. Adam did. Humans did. But creation groans. When sin entered the world, God 
God decided to judge all of the world, all of creation. And you might think, well, well, it's not my fault. I wasn't even born. It doesn't matter. God takes sin so seriously that he judged the whole world, all of creation. And see, you're, you and I aren't guilty of sin because Adam sinned. We're guilty of sin because we sin. Sin is highly contagious and has jacked up the world from the very first sin until now. Into verse 20. In the hope that the creation itself will be, that's in the future, liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Bondage to decay. That's not, that's not a good thing, but it's kind of fun to say. So say bondage to decay. Now, let me explain. Sin has messed everything up. We'll continue to mess things up until the end. So right now, you and I are in bondage to decay. When you get up in the morning, your back hurts. It's because you're in bondage to decay. When when you go out and you look at your car that used to be shiny just yesterday, and it's not shiny anymore, it's in bondage to decay. The the world, the creation is in bondage to decay. I uh, I have a 1969 Massey Ferguson tractor. It's a big orange tractor. I love my tractor, but do you think it it is as as nice today as it was in 1969? By the way, I didn't buy it in 1969. I bought it about four years ago. Does it, is it still as good today as it was in 1969? No, because there's this law. It's called the second uh, law of thermodynamics, second law of thermodynamics that says things tend to get worse with age. That's a happy message for you, isn't it? Because I'm five years older than my Massey Ferguson. I'm in bondage to decay. My, my tractor, my cars, my house, your stuff is in bondage to decay. Why? Because sin entered the world, death and destruction and mini- mis- misery, ministry, misery, sometimes that's the same thing, um, entered into the world. So big dot number one is in the beginning, sin entered the world and changed everything. It was perfect until sin came in. Since that time, everything is in bondage to decay. And some of you are going to ask the question, what did I do to cause this pain in my life? Are you ready for this, this deep answer? You were born. What did I do to cause the pain? In my life? You're born. Welcome to the planet. Big dot number one, in the beginning, sin entered the world, changed everything. Big dot number two, in the meantime, that's now. In the meantime, look at verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Sin entered the world. Everything has been broken since. It's not just something in your world broke. Everything was broken before you were born and you just came into a broken place. What happened to you is simply what happens to everyone in a broken world. That's why plans go wrong. You can plan this. Something entirely different happens. Since sin has entered the world, there's this downward spiral and none of us are exempt from pain. And that's why you can be, you can be hurt even when you're not sinning. Dot one, sin entered the world in the beginning, changed everything. Dot two, in the meantime, we will feel the effects of sin. It's just the way it is. All of creation has been groaning under the weight of sin and its consequences. But Paul says what we're going through now is not without hope. He said, it's like a woman suffering the pains of childbirth. I remember when Caleb was born, we had no clue what was going on. Nobody really told us anything. I know Janie was very, very scared of giving birth because all she'd heard was it's going to hurt. When, when we had Rachel two and a half years later, we would go through the pregnancy and you know, all of that stuff. And a couple of days before we go in and it was here, um, we, we went, Janie went into labor with both of our second kids. And it was kind of funny because we go in on a Saturday and, uh, and Janie's we're, we're at labor and delivery. And they said, what are you doing here? And Janie said, I'm going to have a baby. And they, they said, you're not on our schedule. And she said, I'm in labor. 
And they went, oh, nobody does that anymore. A couple of days before she went into labor, her eyes popped open and she goes, I don't know if I can do this. Because it's going to hurt. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm glad it's you. Because I'm not tough enough. Mm -mm. I've seen it done once and I, mm mm-mm. Had a new respect for my, when, when she had Hannah, same thing. A couple of days she, she goes, I mean, this, this look came on her face. She goes, I remember right before she said, I remember how bad this is going to hurt. But we would gladly, she would gladly go through those pains again because of the joy that our children have brought to our life. Does this make sense? If you know the why you can endure suffering. One day creation is going to be delivered from the way it is, but that's not today. And it's probably not going to be in your lifetime. It will be made right again, but not today. And here's the thing. Not only does creation groan, Christians groan. Look what it says in verse 23. And believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us all, give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. When you became a a Christ follower, the Bible says God's Holy Spirit came and took up residence inside of you. And for some of you, you were radically changed. You were delivered from drug addiction, pornography, whatever it is. You were radically changed. It changed your language. It changed everything about you. Everybody noticed. Some of you, when you came to Christ, you were delivered from some things. There were other things that you still struggle with to this day. Some of you, when you prayed, absolutely nothing changed. And your friends and family are going, man, I don't think it took. I think you need to pray that prayer again. But here's the deal. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives inside of believers. When he comes to live inside of you, the Bible says that's a down payment from God that he's going to restore your body and your soul in another place in another time. You see, when God saved your soul, he did not save your body. God sent us his Holy Spirit, not a holy body. Why? Because creation is under a curse. You don't get a new body in this lifetime. You will if you're a Christ follower, but that's after you die. That's when you go to heaven. We feel pain and suffering now because the world is under a curse. But we have hope because this world is not all there is. In light of the past, sin came in the past, which impacts now, the meantime. We look forward to a future when we don't have any more of this garbage. We don't. Never promised, God never promised that we would have comfort and, and days of just unending joy in this life. Jesus Christ said you will have tribulation, which means the worst kind of trouble. But then he said, take heart because I've overcome the world. This world is not all there is. When, when sin entered the world, it set you and I up, every human up for pain and suffering. But in the future, it will be made right. Look at verse 26. 
And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but this, but his Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. God knows I'm weak. He knows you're weak. He knows when, when you say, well, you know, I'm really stressed out about life. That's natural. That's normal. God knows that. Well, well, I'm, I'm depressed. God says that's natural. That's normal. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm mad. I'm bitter. All of that's normal. And God says, you're living in a decaying world. And so you're going to experience the things that a decaying world has to offer. It's just part of the process, but don't you dare fall for the lie that this life is all there is. Don't you fall for the, 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 the lie that the answers are in your little bitty dot in between the beginning and the end. God says in those times when you're so heavily burdened down that you don't even know how to pray, you don't even form words. He says, you know what I'm doing? Guess, you know what I'm doing? He says, I'm praying for you with a language you can't even understand. Bible says that that Jesus lives. He's at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us. Wow. He says, I know it's bad. I know you're hurting, but there's something I can't wait to show you. I can't show you today. I'm going to show you someday. And until that time, you need to remember that I am with you. Look at verse 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? God works when people in your life die. God works when your dreams die. God works when someone um, you love is in pain and suffering. God is at work all the time. Your individual circumstances do not make up the whole picture. You mean I'm not the center of the universe? Nope. You mean my life isn't about me? Nope. The cross is God's once for all declaration that you matter to him. He's saying there's purpose and there's reason. You got to trust me. I'm with you. Now, could God end all pain and suffering? Sure. In fact, we know that Jesus healed many people when he was here on the earth. He raised some people from the dead, but it was like he said, okay, now you know I have the power to do that stuff, but that's for the end. That's for the future. In the meantime, I am with you. And and see, God never pulls any punches when it comes to the consequences of sin. God's going to allow you to suffer the consequences of your sin. In fact, you may suffer the consequences of somebody else's sin because we live in a broken world. But there will be a time in the future when all things are made right. Until then, remember, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to bow your heads for a minute, and I'm going to play that song again, God with us. And if you need to come up to the altar and pray, if you need to turn to somebody and pray, if you just want to sit there and think about what it means that God is with us, you just worship through this song, and then we'll be dismissed.
If you see me driving down the road and I'm weaving, it's not because I'm drunk or anything. It's because I'm worshiping and sometimes I let go of the steering wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. I, sometimes I can't sit down when when I'm worshiping because uh, I'm overwhelmed that the God of the universe loves me. Because I'm a punk. And I don't understand how he could trade his son for my life. And I can't be quiet and I can't sit down. When God heals my brother. And Tina put on Facebook the other day that, that the doctor said it's as if it looks like he's never had cancer. How do you explain that in this world? It's because the dot is not just about Timmy. It's bigger. And if we don't, if we say, and if we don't, if we don't believe God, how can we expect the lost world to? And somebody told Timmy, we talked about this. Somebody prayed and he said, he, he said, brother, I'm going to pray for your life, but I'm also praying that God's will would be done. And, and, and that's kind of strange because he was saying, if God wants to take you, Timmy, I'm praying that God's going to take you. And, and, and you know, uh-huh. Because it's about him. It's not about me. It's not about Timmy. And we want Timmy here. Right? But the point is, stop looking for the answers in your little bitty dot. And then watch what God does around you because he will affect other people. There'll be ripples from your life that will go out and affect eternity. That's why I do what I do. Because I believe this stuff. And it's about time everybody who says they're a Christ follower believes it and lives like it. Because is our world getting better? I think the word, the, the, the law of, second law of thermodynamics is applied to the United States of America. It's not getting better. Our only hope is Jesus.